Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on the 17th of November, 2023. Um, hey, be careful out there if you're walking around like there's stuff on the ground. Mm-hmm. Depending where you are, that stuff on the ground um, is different. So you might you might be in a place where there's already like frozen stuff on the ground. If so, you know, be careful. Maybe you are um, in a place where there are acorns all over the ground in in such places be careful so this is a part of the friday farm report and you may say to yourself hmm, you're not farming acorns are you because you know acorns are actually toxic to livestock so no 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 i'm not farming acorns but i gotta tell you so many acorns so many acorns this year so come to find out it's called masting and our oak trees are masting not just here on my little farm, but across the southeastern United States. Big reports about it in Texas. Uh, juniper trees are apparently also masting in Oregon. I don't even know what a, I don't know what that looks like on the ground. So if you're if you're in Oregon or you have you have some tree that's fruit or nut and it's masting right now, which means it's dropping all of its business onto the ground. Um, I want to. I would like to see a picture of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can get, I, I mean, like right now, the photos of acorns on the ground at my house, it'd just be acorns. So you didn't see anything else, just be acorns everywhere. Um, happy squirrels, unhappy hunters, because obviously if deer don't need to go to one place to eat, like the the foot of the one tree where the acorns are falling, if the acorns are falling everywhere, makes hunting harder. There you go. That's a part of the uh, Friday Farm Report here at the at the Laberge Farm. What's on the ground where you are? What is on the ground where you are? Mm-hmm. If there's something frozen on the ground, I'd super duper like to know that. If there's acorns on the ground or junipers, I don't know what that looks like. So, uh, you know, inquiring minds need to know. What's on the ground where you are? You can text me, 877-933-2484. Emily just texted in for from Virginia and she said, it is 70 degrees today. Ugh. I don't think I'm ever going to see snow again. Emily, um, next Friday, you are going to get ice. That's <laughs> so warning you in advance. Between the, the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, yes, travel advisories. Travel advisories in advance. So this is like a whole, I don't often like give you week in advance uh, Friday farm report, but I will say we are planning on doing some things over the course of the next week in anticipation of getting ice on the Friday night of Thanksgiving weekend. So for us, that means, you know, you're, you're going to think this is ridiculous, but like we, we still need to clean out our gutters. And so normally we wait until all the tree, all the leaves have fallen off all the trees. But I've said to Jim, like, we got to do it earlier because if, if, if what's in there, then ice is up, our gutters are going to, you know, <clears throat> release themselves from the edge of our roof. And that would be bad. So, uh, so yeah, so that's what's going on here. Um, 
In other news, more pandas, less fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Uh, The president of the United States met with the president of China's Communist Party, Xi Jinping, and um, uh, he is serving an unprecedented third term as the president of the People's Republic of China. And um, they talked about fentanyl, which is good. All the precursor chemicals for fentanyl are shipped from China into Mexico. Then they're converted into fentanyl and trafficked across the U.S. southern border um, in such quantity, in such massive quantities, that there's now enough fentanyl in the United States to kill the entire U.S. population multiple times. And so fentanyl is a crisis. You know this. We've talked about this on occasion before. Um, And it does seem as if there is a plan in the works for the United States and China to reach an agreement on those precursor chemicals not being shipped in such volume um, from China to Mexico. But the other big news coming out of the meeting, um, I mean, our president did call Xi Jinping a dictator and China's upset about that. So that's going on, too. But in, in other news, it's possible that the Panda Express which we talked about last week, like we're like at the the last pandas in uh, that are from China on loan in America are at the Atlanta Zoo. And, and that's it because the, you know, the other ones have gone home. Uh, they were on loan. It's a it's a you know, it's a gift program. Anyway, um, it's possible. It's possible that a plan is going to be arrived at a diplomatic plan for China's pandas to make return travel to the United States. There you go. Dolly Parton is releasing Rockstar. It's a 30-track album of star-studded covers and originals. It includes um, Let It Be with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. Um, that's happening in, you know, in, what do we call that? Entertainment news? <laughs> yeah. Media news and entertainment news. And I thought we would just use that as a segue into our conversation with our friend Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Uh, what kinds of things are you going to be watching over the Thanksgiving holiday? Are there any good Thanksgiving movies? Has he got some reviews for us? And what's up with that great American family Christmas Hallmark sort of genre of Christmas movies? We're going to talk about all of that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. And before we talk about all the things that I just suggested we were going to talk about, we have a listener on the line who says, does Adam agree that Marvel, Marvel's, the Marvel's, bombed on opening weekend? And if so, does he have an opinion as to why? So, Adam Holtz, let us hear your <laughs> opinion as to the Marvel's. And, and uh, let's also talk about the question of whether or not Marvel has changed its mind about God's goodness. Yeah, those are both great questions. We could talk for half an hour about those two questions. So let's start with the Marvels. It certainly bombed. It did $47 million in its opening weekend, uh, which is the lowest Marvel movie, de- Marvel Cinematic Universe movie debut. So I know this is super rude for me to interrupt you, but we have a one-day no, winter fun. We have a one-day winter fundraiser coming up, and it just occurs to me that we would not consider $47 million um, bombing. We would think right. of that as, like, overwhelming. Like, I don't even yes. I don't even hardly know what we would do. So 
The Faith yes. Radio One Day Winter Fundraiser is um, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And if if you're thinking to yourself, I should invest at least as much as a movie ticket, that's that is a great uh, great place to start your thinking. There you go. And, and I'm just plant, planting seeds. I'm just planting yes. seeds, Adam. That's all I'm doing. All right. So, so it bombed because. Well, let me just. I'm going to take a left turn or a right turn or a turn. We don't need to define the direction. Um, we often hear these big numbers, right? What people may not realize is that Hollywood splits the revenue for a movie ticket about 50-50. It depends a little bit. It might be 55-45, but it's in the neighborhood of 50-50 with the theater itself. So when you hear that a movie cost $250 million, which is what they're saying the Marvels cost, you got you to gotta double that number before you begin to approach a break-even point. But then you also have international distribution and there's costs there and you have marketing and probably the marketing on the Marvels was somewhere between a hundred and $200 million. So conservatively, this movie has to make seven, six to $700 million before Disney sees a penny of profit. So when people talk about a movie bombing at 47 million, Typically, you can expect a movie to make half as much in each successive weekend. And Marvel's movies have been falling off 60 to 70%. So, you know, you can expect it to make $25 million this weekend. And you can do the math. They're already saying this thing's going to tap out at probably a little over $100 million in the U.S. market. And maybe a little bit more overseas. So if it brings in $200 million total that means it just lost $400 million for Disney. So that is why it's a bomb. And that gives those numbers some context. Um, so uh, I think there are a lot of factors that are contributing to Marvel fatigue. Uh, I think there've been a lot of superhero movies. Marvel has oversaturated the market. Brie Larson, who plays Captain Marvel slash Carol Danvers has not been a popular character. Um, she has said some very antagonistic things in the press that if you are at all tapped into, you know, the right wing interwebs as they are. I mean, you get online, if you do a search on Brie Larson on YouTube, I mean, you just open the hate portal. People despise her. And mm. I don't think it's completely fair. Uh, I think that her character was pretty wooden and pretty emotionless in the first several movies she was in. And when people pointed that out, she went off on people online and started calling out, you know, sexism and misogyny and, and all of this stuff. But that just pours gasoline on the fire. So mm. she is, an she is, I think, one of the two or three least popular actresses in Hollywood. Disney knows it. And getting to the movie itself, I went in with a very low bar of expectations and the story itself is a mess. I mean, it doesn't really make very much sense, but I kind of liked it. And it's about the story of three female characters, Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, who is a Muslim teen, uh, and um, Monica Rambeau, who is in WandaVision, and they fight a bad guy to try to save multiple planets. Um, I thought it had some nice moments. I laughed. Uh, I didn't cry. It wasn't better than Cats. But speaking of Cats, there are a ton of Cats in this movie. Uh, and actually one of the funniest scenes I have ever seen in a Marvel movie. So I think that the hatred of Brie Larson front-loaded the failure of this thing. 
I think people are tired of superhero movies and I think the writing wasn't very good here. So I think it's, there's a complex combination of factors at work here. Uh, Adam Holtz, um, what is on the ground where you live right now? If we were to walk outside your door, what is on the ground? Uh, grass. Grass is on the ground. Is it, it's been, is it we, still green? We, it is still green. We're still watering. That's so weird. It's been, it's been so like, weird. it was like 75 degrees yesterday here. So it's really When are warm. you going to get your first snow? Well, we've had two small snowstorms. We had one, they were both in October. One was five or six inches and one was just a dusting. It didn't amount to much of anything. So we have had snow, but it's warmed back up again. Hmm. Grass is kind of amazing then, isn't it? Okay. I was talking about yeah. how egg corn, egg corns are like covering the southeastern United States. It's like a, yeah. it's a, it's a deer feast out here. Um, other people then have been texting in what they're seeing on the ground where they are. And so I thought, well, I should ask you what's on the ground where you are, because at least you had exactly. the chance of there being something white or and or slippery. But neither, yeah, neither no, is true. Not, neither not is so true. much. Yeah. No, um, all right. Um, so uh, pentatonics. What do I need to yeah. know about pentatonics? Well, pentatonics is, as Penta suggests, a five-person acapella singing group uh they are not a christian band per se uh but there are members of the band who certainly are not only christians but really see what they're doing as an infiltration of hollywood and lest that sound overly dramatic that is actually the verb that kevin ulusola who's one of the members used in an interview with the Christian Post recently, he said, quote, when you look at Daniel in the Bible, he goes into the culture, but he gets to infiltrate, but he also gets to stay true to the one and only God. I think the goal for us is just to be a light in the culture, to show people how beautiful and joyous and cool the gospels are. And I think there's a lot of stigma around the gospel that it's just not for me. It can't be, but actually Jesus invites every single person into a relationship. And then he he circled back and actually commented on that word infiltration. He said, I use the word infiltration, but that's almost kind of almost what it is. It's just being in a culture in a way where people say, oh, well, I didn't know the gospel, the gospel could be that. I didn't know that it can be relatable to my life and whatever I'm going through. So I love that he is really talking about this uh, you know, in a mission or missional, I know missional is a word that not everybody's crazy about in a missional way. He has a sense of calling. They are in the mainstream. They produce incredible music. If you've never listened to pentatonics, there's a wide range of, of stuff and covers and they've got a Christmas album out, I believe. Um, there's, it's just, that's a great story, you know? And, and so, you know, are you a Christian musician I think that he's thinking about it in the same way, the old quote, you know, can you be a Christian plumber or a Christian electrician? Let your faith be present in such a way that people are compelled to ask you, as scripture says, you know, to give a reason for the hope that's within you, right? So good. Um, all right. Uh, we we discussed last week that we were going to start making assignments <clears throat> to you. Yes. Yes. So what are my assignments? We do have an assignment for you for a YouTube okay. channel that that we would like to have reviewed. Okay. Redeemed, I'm opening it up right now. Redeemed Zoomer 6053. Huh. Okay, let me see. 
And so while Adam Holtz is working on that, we're going to take a very, very brief break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, shows that are coming out, the reviews that uh, you can find at PluggedIn.com, and why Hallmark movies are so popular. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. All right. Uh, Adam Holtz is with us from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. I'm going to encourage you to check out the blog at Plugged In, the YouTube channel reviews. They got got all kinds of stuff there. So you should go and check it out. So, Adam, let's look at the review, movie review section of Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Um, Do we or do we not need to see trolls band together? Uh, If you like trolls and you have young children and you can deal with potty humor, yes. If not, no. Uh, These are fun movies. Yeah, I know. How how about next? Yes. How about next goal wins? Uh, This is a weird, disappointing miss from Disney. I would say maybe it's a true story about the American Samoan soccer team. It kind of reminds me a little tiny bit about of cool runnings. Yeah. Uh, and the soccer team was terrible. They got a coach that helped them. It has some really nice things to say about Christianity. It also has a lot of really not nice profanity and a pretty big subplot that revolves around a trans character that apparently is true to real life as well. So they didn't just stick it in there, but uh, it feels like a miss to me, Carmen. Like, I think they they don't understand their audience because there's just content here that doesn't need to be here. Um, all right. Uh, I feel like without even asking the question, I know what my personal answer is going to be <laughs> related to any movie that starts with the two words Hunger Games. Right. Uh, but what about the ballad of Songbird and Snakes? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, it's about Mm -hmm. teens killing each other. Now, I will say that Suzanne Collins in her Hunger Games franchise has talked about how she's wanting to comment on our culture's obsession with violence, with exploitation, with all sorts of cultural things that are really important. And the story is an engaging one, but, you know, it's sort of like, do you want to comment on pornography by showing pornography, you know? you comment on violence by showing teens killing each other it gets messy really fast so uh and and this movie is of a piece with what we have seen earlier it's the backstory of the main villain in the series later on corleo lena snow uh his name's really hard to pronounce so i may have butchered it uh who's played by donald sutherland this movie takes place 64 years before the events of hunger games so that's what we're dealing with here yeah, that whole messing with my time frames. Okay, yes. um, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a 74-year-old lizard named Leo, and you've been yes. trapped for decades in a terrarium in a yep. Florida elementary school classroom, and you have just learned that you only have one year left to live. How yes. are you and your terrarium mate turtle, Bill Burr, going to achieve your bucket list? Well, you're going to do it because a new teacher comes to town and starts sending you home with various students who care Yay! for you for the weekend, right? <laughs> so it's the farm report uh, in a different kind of vein. Uh, and and you have to remember that you're voiced by Adam Sandler, who perhaps is maturing a little bit, 
uh, and there's sort of, you know, Adam Sandler's life lessons. There are some really sweet moments in this, but it's Adam Sandler. And so you get a ton of toilet humor, or I guess in mm. this case, you know, geranium fodder humor. Um, so uh, it, again, it, it feels like what's your tolerance for those kind of jokes? Oh, there's some innuendo, yeah. there's some other stuff. There are some really nice moments here. Uh, it's a, it's a sweet movie, but man, I'm just going to say it. There's a lot of poop jokes. Okay. Oh, so goodness. Okay. There, there you All go. Right. Well, those we don't get in Hallmark movies. And so the we season don't. has, the season has actually already started. And oh, I, yes. ha- in July. I happen, <laughs> I, I, I happen to have a mother who like now every night she's watching a Hallmark movie. Yep. So what, so, what is it about them that is so popular? And I don't know any commentary on this genre. Yes, I have so much to say about this, Carmen, <laughs> and here's why. My lovely bride, my 53-year-old bride <laughs> with a doctorate, with a doctorate, she's a doctor, uh, she loves Hallmark. This oh, is on just like your mom. I have seen so many. It's hundreds. one story. It's just it's one, one Like, story. I will literally say at 7.58... <laughs> Oh wow, they haven't kissed yet. They only have two minutes left before Golden before Golden Girls comes on. And we also now have Great Great American Family, which is pure flick, Great American Pure Flicks now because they just merged. So here's my serious answer after my confession. Uh, here's what I think the core of the appeal is. These are fairy tales, Carmen. Mm. They're not fairy tales in the traditional sense, but they're fairy tales in, in that they end with and they lived happily ever after. Hallmark mm. is all about happily ever after. And I think in a very real sense, you could draw a straight line from the broad, broad themes in Hallmark movies to where Disney was at 50 years ago. Um, mm. Now, Hallmark also now has a bunch of same-sex stuff in it that is um, a turnoff to many people in the audience, which is why... Uh, Great American Pure Flicks and cameras, Candace Cameron, Candace Cameron Bure, that's hard to say, has sort of defected in that direction. And they're saying they're not going to be doing that kind of content there. But, but these are love stories that focus on the goodness of lasting love. And, and I think that there is enormous appeal there. I think there is nostalgia. I think, yes, they're cheesy. Yes, they're oversimplified. Yes, we all know that real life is far, far messier than any Hallmark movie. Um, And we also know that normally when you get trapped in a small town by a snowstorm, when the snow melts, you'll probably leave. Unlike Hallmark movies where you stay forever. Um, Okay. How do, can I ask a quick question? Cause people want to know how, how, how do people watch great American pure flicks? That is a great question. It is a cable channel. We're going to have to Google it. Yeah. I know that it's on, uh, we still have cable. We're old school. So it's Mm. a cable channel. And I assume that they have an app or subscription service of some kind too. All right. There you go. Um, All right, Adam, we got to leave it right there. What a delight always to to talk with you. Um, Happy Thanksgiving because we we, We um, won't talk next week. We won't. So um, really quickly, what is your favorite holiday or your favorite Thanksgiving side item? Oh, mashed potatoes for sure. Okay. And what will you be eating on the pie buffet? Uh, probably apple pie. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a pumpkin. Lots, I'm not a pumpkin pie lots, lots and lots of votes this week for apple pie. And apparently the secret is to use a variety of apples, not just one kind. There you also go. Also sugar. That's just, use sugar. Well, also sugar. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Adam, what a delight. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Thank you, Carmen. Happy yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, thank you for the way you guys are um, are participating in the what's on the ground where you live conversation on the text line. You can tell me, send me a picture. What's on the ground where you live? 877-933-2484. If your feet are in the picture, you get extra credit. If your dog is in the picture, you get like two stars of extra credit. There you go. Um, Carol says on the text line, well, this is totally off topic, but Carol, let me just say, that is how a conversation in the morning over coffee generally goes, does it not? Like one of us sits down and we're like, hey, I was thinking about this. And maybe you have some thoughts on that. So on Carol's mind this morning via the text line, uh, hey, Carmen, totally off topic. Could you briefly explain two things? Now, let me just say I may or may not briefly explain these two things depending on what they are. So I'm just warning you in advance. So here we go. What does poor in spirit mean? Aha, she is drawing that, of course, from the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit uh, the earth. Okay, and what are the earthly tents we live in? Hey, your earthly tent, that one is super easy, Carol. Your earthly tent is your flesh, your fleshly body. That is your earthly tent. And so if your fleshly earthly tent is destroyed, you have a building from God. You are getting a new body. You are going to get a new body. Um, You are going to be clothed in righteousness, and you are going to be resurrected to newness of life in a new body. All right, poor in spirit. We might have to take some time to unpack that at a future time, but excellent question. She also says green grass here with falling leaves. Um, So uh, thank you so much, Carol, for checking in. And yeah, that's the way the text line works. So, so, so glad you guys are checking in. 877-933-2484. Next up, a conversation that I have been anticipating for some time now. Rosaria Butterfield. I totally love and adore her. I have been um, reading what she's been writing since, um, since her first book, which was The Secret uh, Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. And then um, Openness Unhinged, we loved The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Rosario has now offered up something that is a little different. This is sort of the meaty portion of uh, of the meal with Rosario. Five lies our anti-Christian age. Five lives of our anti-Christian age. And then she's also going to teach us how to combat those. Um, how to counter them, how to live in the truth, even in the midst of a generation of lies. Um, But let me tell you, it is provocative. And if you read it, um, like you, you will be seared, like you will be cut to the bone. Like there's nobody that is going to walk away from reading five lives of our anti-Christian age um, without some needing to tend to what's going on in our own lives. So we're going to talk about that next with Rosaria Butterfield. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, there are those authors who we talk to from time to time um, who, when I hear that they've got a book coming out, uh, we jump on the list absolutely as fast as possible. When the book arrives, I read it cover to cover, and then I wait 
and then I wait until the opportunity uh, finally arrives where we get to talk. Rosaria Butterfield is one of those authors. She joins us today with Five Lives of Our Anti-Christian Age. Rosaria, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. It's awesome to be with you this morning. You um, you know that I love you, and so we're going to have this... <laughs> It'd be dangerous, um, sister, but okay. <laughs> I know, right? No, but that's, right? so that's like part of my point. That is like, okay. that is part of my point. Um, I read this book and I thought, wow, um, Rosario is cutting me to the quick. Like this isn't, <laughs> this is not a book that's just about them over there who are believing something false. This yeah. is about me right here who you know, has been willing to, well, maybe not speak the whole truth in every moment because that would seem not nice or right. Yeah, and and, that's, and go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about all of us. I mean, the book starts out with my repentance. So, you know, why listen to me? I believed all these lies. Um, certainly all of them as an unbeliever, but many of them, you know, snake their way into my Christian life. And, you know, I'm a public figure. So they snake their way into books that sold lots of copies. So the book starts with my repentance. Um, I don't have a leg to stand on either. But I do know this. Um, we can't major on the majors anymore because we can't agree on what those majors are. And while Christ is not divided, the churches and a lot of these problems come from the world I helped make when I was a gay rights activist. So this book is in some ways my coming clean with you. I need to, I'm a grandma, you know, I'm 61 years old. I need to clean up the mess that I made. And so this book is an effort to do that. Mm. Okay. So that is, that is so good. It's so <laughs> honest and you're, you're jumping right in, which I really appreciate. Um, I, um, we could unpack, you know, piece by piece, but I think we're going to let people um, investigate each piece on their own because we have a limited sure. amount of time. So I thought we would start this way, um, beginning with the end in mind, jumping actually to the afterward, because you okay. talk about how we how we got to where we are, how the change in vocabulary um, right. has really led us to the place where we live in this world that believes these five lies. The five lies right. are homosexuality is normal. Being a spiritual person is kinder than being a biblical Christian. Feminism is good for the world and the church. Transgenderism is normal. Modesty is an outdated burden that serves male dominance and holds women back. Um, what all these lies has, have, have in common, says Rosaria Butterfield, is that they don't think that God had a plan and a purpose when he created men and women. You, um, you help us... Uh, ground this entire conversation, not only in scripture, but really in who we are as image bearers of God. Can you right. maybe start this right. conversation there? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's really the crisis of our day. It's a crisis of anthropology. Um, if you actually believe that being gay or being trans is being made in the image of God, then you have no need for the gospel. And in fact, the gospel's kind of a burden and you're going to have to, you know, tweak it in some way. But what we see in Genesis 1, 27 and 1, is that God made man in his image as a man or as a woman. These are distinct, different categories. They are not only real and biological, but they are ontological and eternal. 
furthermore, God is not some kind of like mad engineer that builds a bridge, you know, into nowhere. Genesis one twenty eight says the purpose is indeed so that we can be fruitful and multiply. So whether we like it or not, the godly picture of holiness on this planet Earth is heterosexual. And so one of the pressures that that puts us, one of the pressures that 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 presses into us right now is some of those voices that have believed that they are more compassionate than God and have tried to make room for a false teaching called gay Christianity. Um, and it was something I lived as a lesbian for 10 years. So I, you know, this presses on me as well, but at a certain point in my own journey toward Christ, I had to realize that I'm not, I'm made in the image of God as a woman, not as a lesbian, because being a lesbian or being trans is part of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not part of our image bearing. And furthermore, we learn in Genesis 3 that God has put enmity between his people and the world, the flesh, and the devil. That was quite a condemnation. And I had to learn, and it did not come easily, that I had to learn how to hate my sin without hating myself. And so the issue is no longer vocabulary. People don't get fired from jobs for opening up their synonym finder and using a different vocabulary word. The issue is ideology and idolatry. LGBTQ plus has become the idol of our day. And language is used to enforce that idol, which is why people are getting fired for using not using transgender pronouns or failing to put a a rainbow flag up on their Facebook page. And so Christians need to be wise. And we need to figure out, well, what exactly is homosexuality? And according to scripture, homosexuality is found in the flesh, forbidden in the law, and overcome in the Savior. Somehow, by listening to these false teachers, whether they're well-meaning or not, I don't care. We've lost the message of the gospel. And when I say we, I am talking about the evangelical church and some of its favorite designer, you know, parachurch ministries. So we need to embrace the reality that we are the ones who are uh, in some ways misleading people. And I say that as somebody who has, I've, I've owned it. I've repented to you in this book, in articles and talks. Um, and I stand in the fruit of my repentance alone. First of all, thank you for um, being so honest about about your own journey, um, about the reality of growing as a Christian into your understanding of what God has revealed about himself, his character, and his will in the scriptures. Thank you for the way in which you... Um, you share that with us in five lives of our anti-Christian age because you you expose that if if I'm believing anything other than what the Bible says, um, then I'm believing a half truth and a half truth is a lie. And so right. it right. And so even if what I'm believing is that um, people are to be loved where they are as they are, like that sounds like a good thing to be believing. Yeah, but the reality yeah. is I should be believing I should be 
loving people as God created them, regardless of how they see themselves and the confusion in which they're currently living. Like that's different. Right, right. And that's what the Bible, you know, reading the Bible is a, um, you know, it it reveals that to us, right? It reveals, it doesn't merely, um, you know, affirm where we are, but it indeed um, uh, rebukes and comforts us simultaneously. And Christians are to model that. When I first uh, met my very first, you know, Christian friend, Ken Smith, he said, Rosaria, I can accept you as a lesbian, but I don't approve. And one of the things that I wanted uh, my readers to know, it's a pretty simple thing. What time is it? What time is it? What, where do we live? We, we live in a world that is post-Obergefell, post-Bostock. Those were Supreme Court cases that put enormous pressure on the evangelical church, and I believe the church crumbled under it. With Ebergefell, you had uh, the institution of gay marriage in all 50 states, but along with that, you have something called the Dignitary Harm Clause that redefined harm from a material loss to any challenge, any lack of affirmation to someone's LGBTQ plus dignity. Well, that puts Christians in a really bad place. Sometimes the place where you need to think about maybe losing your job or speaking the truth. That's a hard thing that takes us right to Hebrews 11, where we see that the gospel often goes forward when Christians lose material things. But that's still an extremely hard thing. And the other thing is the Bostock decision, which, you know, really stuck LGBTQ plus into the 1964 Civil Rights Act. That changed Title IX, that launched an anti-bullying federal legislation into every government school, including the one your granddaddy, you know, prayed at and spanked kids at 50 years ago. That's something Christians need to know. And what we want, the reason you need to know it is, I understand God is not constrained by time and by these things, but we are, you know, we check the weather app so we know what to wear in the morning for a good reason. And so... In order for Christians to not be simply lagging behind the culture, we need to know what time it is and really think through some of the slogans that broad evangelicalism has given us. You know, one of those is the slogan that says, it's not a sin to be gay, just don't act on it. Um, Another one is once gay, always gay, nobody ever changes uh, if you're a if you're a gay Christian, you know you need to just embrace celibacy. Don't even try to pursue biblical marriage. And these kinds of things are just their lies from the pit of hell. It, it it can't be a sin to act on a desire that the desire itself isn't a sin. Same sex tem- same sex attraction is not a temptation. It's an indwelling sin. And if we don't help people like the person I used to be to fight their sin when it's at its embryonic state, then we're going to lose if we try to fight it when it's a giant. So I want to be compassionate. I want to help the people like the person I used to be. We aren't going to get there by either telling lies or believing them. And that's where the Christian who just wants to play it safe needs to hear this loud and clear. It's not just a sin to tell a lie. It's also a sin to believe a lie. That was Eve's sin in the garden. She believed Satan. So we need to really ponder that and, and, and develop the courage 
to have strong relationships with our unbelieving neighbors so that our words can be as strong as our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think the less time we spend on social media and the more time we actually spend in the trenches, the easier that's going to be. Rosaria Butterfield, um, she walks out uh, that of which she speaks. Um, This is honest conversation. Um, uh, Rosario, I mean, you know, you disclose this, so I feel like I can say it out loud. I mean, she walks her dogs with a couple of gay guys. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to love our neighbors, um, to walk in honesty with people who uh, believe in Jesus and yet don't um, don't ever confront the lies of our anti-Christian age um, and what it looks like to live in such a way where that gospel that comes with a house key actually mm-hmm. does actually welcome people to sit down at table with us um, who are 100% living the, lives that, living the lies that we're talking about today. So we're going to continue our conversation with the Rosaria Butterfield here in just a moment. The book is Five Lies of our anti-Christian age. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. Time together as people of faith is so important, and together we can make a positive impact. So Faith Radio is ready to hit the road. Would your community be a good fit for a Faith Radio live event full of encouragement and togetherness that we can spur each other on toward love and good deeds? Nominate your community for a live Faith Radio event at MyFaithRadio.com, and I hope to get to see you soon. Rosaria Butterfield is uh, a Christian sister. She is a living demonstration of the beauty of the gospel's transforming power and a person uh, who continues to grow up in grace. And so um, part of that means that, you know, we do talk about the things that we have done in the past and participated in the past that God has now revealed to us are not his will and not his way. Um, and we grow up in every way into Christ. And so part of five lives lies of our anti-Christian age um, is Rosario talking about her own lived experience um, growing up in grace in many ways and the transforming power of the gospel. And so I, I commend it to you. Um, Rosario, we only have a couple of minutes left, tragically. Um, but I think I just want you to um, commend to people listening right now that you know, the book includes these principles of loving people who have been lost oh, yeah. or are living yeah, lost yeah. to the five lies. Like there's a huge amount of equipping in here. You answer a lot of, of just regular everyday yeah. questions. So um, could you talk about that sort yeah, of portion absolutely. of this as well? And the book really was written to the moms and grandmas who stop me at Costco or come to church or stop me when I'm walking my dog and say, and, you know, they said, how do I stay connected to my prodigal without losing everything, without losing my faith, without losing my bearings. And so I have an entire appendix in the back. It's just, you know, questions and answers. You know, the book does give, put Christians, Bible-believing Christians under the thumb, because that's where I am. But it, it, I hope you see the great willingness to sit down at the dining room table with unbelievers In fact, I would hold Christians to a much higher standard than I do unbelievers. I will sit down with any unbeliever over any subject. um, uh, But, you know, false teachers, Bible tells us to deal with them differently. And so, uh, you know, last night I was at a school board meeting. Um, It was it was it was hot. It was difficult. Um, 
I made eye contact with, with people who hate me. I shared my phone number with people who don't like me. I, and I'm hoping to follow up with them because that's what the gospel does. It, 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 it offers it, you know, I can't eye contact by eye contact, hand by hand. We sit down with people. Um, but that does not mean that we sit down with them with a false gospel. And that's my concern in this book. My concern in this book is that the evangelical church has lost its way. I know that because I was one of the people who led you down the wrong path. So there's a lot of repentance in this book. There's a lot of conversations about how to have strong relationships with people so that you can have strong words. And there's a lot of admonitions about not, um, not in some ways, you know, tarnishing your own reputation with unbelievers by the false, you know, sparrings that some people will do on social media. It's really unhelpful uh, to work those kinds of things out there. So I hope you see my heart. Um, I, I hope you see my mistakes and I hope you don't follow my mistakes. But we Christians need to clean house. We need to clean house right now. We need to know what time it is. We need to remember that the seeds of the gospel are in the garden. You can't unhinge, as Andy Stanley said, the Old Testament from the new and still have the gospel. Why? No Adam know Christ. And finally, we need to learn how to love our enemies. And that's what this book is about. Stop pretending your enemies are your friends and being just happy with common grace, but mm. love your enemies enough to tell them the truth. Know them well enough so that you can live out that John 8, 31, 32 message. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we want to minister to the LGBTQ movement, then what we're saying is there is no LGBTQ movement after we've ministered to them because the truth has set them free. I am so grateful to God that when I wandered into a, a Christian conversation and a Christian neighbor's home, they loved me. They sat me at their table and they told me the truth. And they did that about 500 times before <laughs> I ever walked through the door of the church. Mm -hmm. And they loved me. And learning, you know, the time that I noticed, the first time I noticed, you know, I'm their enemy. I'm Christ's mm -hmm. enemy. That was how the Holy Spirit started to work in my life, not by minimizing my enemy status, but by putting in me a fire, a desire to not be God's enemy, but to be God's friend. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.